Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Al Contrera of the Mystics, and you're listening to Deeper Digs in Rock. History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon Media. Okay, so, you know, I kind of promised you that the foundational-type episodes of, uh, of this uh, podcast uh, were essentially covered off with two episodes on proto-metal, and then an episode uh, that I called Who Invented Heavy Metal that looked at 1970. Now, this isn't exactly true that the foundational stuff is over with, um, because I consider the episode that we're going to cover off right now uh, a bit of a foundational episode. Um, We are going to be talking about the new wave of British heavy metal, and I am going to attempt to pick five songs that will represent this vast movement Uh, basically started in the UK around 1979, so we're looking at the 40th anniversary. Obviously, it's a tough um, row to hoe, as they say, uh, coming up with something uh, that that we can, coming up with five songs that we can, uh, you know, ascribe to this, but I am going to make these representational of, uh, of a number of things. So, one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is that um, I quickly, uh, in succession, want to do a couple episodes uh, on the honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal Bands. I was going to do those first because they're, they're a lot of fun, really. Um, I got into a lot of debate with a lot of people when I posted a top 25 list of New Wave of British Heavy Metal albums, and then I did honorary Uh, new wave of British heavy metal bands or albums. I can't remember what I did, but we are going to deal with those in the history, uh, history in five songs as well later on. But for now, let's call this the foundational episode of the new wave of British heavy metal. So a little bit of a background. What is the new wave of British heavy metal? So in 1979, an episode or, or an issue of Sounds Magazine came out with Ted Nugent on the cover. And in that, there was a long article on these uh, on these brash new bands starting up. That in the in the subheading, um, one of the editors put in the phrase "new wave of British heavy metal." And unwieldy as it is, it actually stuck, and it became to um, describe this movement. Now, what is this movement? So essentially, we can thank as much as Steve Harris doesn't want to admit this, we can thank punk. For this movement uh, in a certain respect and that respect is the fact that um, it was essentially a DIY 
indie movement. On one end, a bunch of labels got into it. Thank uh, EMI and thank MCA over in the UK for getting into it as well. But essentially why we have this movement and why it's an exciting movement is there were a lot of indie albums put out, a lot of indie compilation albums put out, but mostly tons and tons and tons of indie singles put out. So these could be on small labels or they could be uh, completely self-released. And again, the, the first time really that we had anything like this happen uh, in the music industry was, was essentially punk. Punk was the DIY thing where we got lots and lots of singles and there was this groundswell. There was always product to buy at the cheap end of things, a lot of compilations, a lot of albums, a lot of labels sprouting up, and then, and then some major label releases as well. So. Essentially what happened is in 1979, starting with some singles by Samson, uh, Girl School was early, um, Saxon was early with an actual LP in 1979, they're self-titled. But really, a, a, lot of, a lot of the good stuff wouldn't come until 1980. So that's the first thing I'm going to do with uh, these five songs is they are all from 1980. Uh, you know, I was debating doing an episode where I broke this up into early New Wave of British Heavy Metal and late New Wave of British Heavy Metal. I actually put a New Wave of British Heavy Metal trilogy of books out. One was called Smoke and Valves, which is, um, which is all the reviews of all the singles and albums and uh, anyways, there's 900 records in there, uh, a mix of albums and singles. But so I did what, a, a book, a timeline and quotes book called Wheels of Steel that looked at the early years and then one called This Means War that looked at the later years. So what, what we're calling the early and late years is essentially 79 through to say 81 is the early years. And then the late years of this movement are 82, 83, 84. It's absolutely all over by 1984. The door slams shut. Um, you know, the focus of heavy metal moves over to LA and the likes of Rat, uh, Motley Crue, Van Halen, who started earlier, Quiet Riot, uh, Dawkin. Um, these bands is who essentially get going around 83, 84 and just, and just grab the baton and move it, uh, what is that, three, five, maybe 6,000 miles away uh, to LA. So the new wave of British heavy metal really gets going in 1980. And as I say, just to recap, it is essentially uh, lots and lots and lots of heavy metal records, singles, and albums coming out on, on self-released, small labels, major labels, all at once. Uh, this, was a, this was a boon to any of us who were young metalheads because essentially before 1980, I mean, you, you, could, you could count on a few sets of hands all the heavy metal albums that really were coming out and there was no real identifying as heavy metal uh, per se and there was no kind of pride in being heavy metal and literally writing songs about heavy metal. All of this starts with the championing of heavy metal music in the UK essentially in 1980. So let's get going without further ado. Um, let's start with our number one song in our history and five songs with Martin Popoff. Number one, we are going to play you a little bit of Iron Maiden by Iron Maiden. Take a listen.
All right. So I chose Iron Maiden uh, to kick this thing off because Iron Maiden are essentially the biggest new wave of British heavy metal band ever. Um, they participated fully. They commanded the scene all through during the scene. And you know what? They never stopped, uh, you know, making music in this new wave of heavy metal genre. The rest of the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, they're a massive band now. They've never really changed their sound in a big way. They are still a new wave of British heavy metal band, which is quite remarkable in terms of their style. They were the biggest and the most exciting and the most beloved and all of that uh, actually during the years 1980 to 1984 as well. So uh, I wanted to pick this for a number of reasons. So Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. Um, it's off of the album Iron Maiden, just like Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Um, it's, it's pretty much exactly 10 years later. Uh, it's about three months off of 10 years later. This is April of 1980. The other cool thing about this is that you have this artwork from Derek Riggs that identifies this music as heavy metal. I remember our trips, I came from Trail BC, our closest place to buy all this stuff and be you know, excited by this new metal movement. We would go to Spokane, Washington and shop at Magic Mushrooms and Strawberry Jams. We would pick up sounds, uh, you know, blown away by all the ads for this stuff. They would have the singles in these, these cool hippie stores, independent record stores. They would have the albums, they would have sounds. Eventually when Kerrang! magazine came out, um, they would have Kerrang! Um, you know, you would buy these singles, they'd have patches, blah, blah, blah. But I'm bringing this up because I remember getting my import copy of Iron Maiden and looking at that album cover for the first time and realizing that, you know, what's going to be inside of this record? You, you know, you turn it over, there's the live shot with all the chaos and smoke and Paul Deanna with his shirt off, the scary song titles, again, that harkens back to Black Sabbath. And basically, you knew what was going to be inside the tin. Um, you didn't get that basically through the 70s. You know, all of those bands, um, they basically looked like the Eagles or REO Speedwagon, um, you know, Black Sabbath, you know, Foghat. Everybody looked the same. Everybody dressed the same. The albums weren't particular. The album covers weren't particularly heavy metal. The song titles weren't even particularly heavy metal. Um, but now with this movement, you realized that these people love this music. They're definitely going to be making, you know, almost every song on these records is going to be heavy metal. Um, and that was one of the big clear markers of this movement. So Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, they follow up the Soundhouse tapes. Uh, they follow up a single. Basically, they come out with this debut album with all these scary song titles. Instantly, they were they were this great band. They, they typified the new wave of British heavy metal sound. Now, there is no one sound, but Iron Maiden, uh, basically, they were fast. They were a little bit loose bolted, a little bit punky. Um, they were a little bit proggy. All of these things have a lot to do with new wave of British heavy metal. Um, you know, this is a band that debuted, uh, like they, they were on the first Metal for Mothers album, which is the quintessential compilation, and they had two songs on there. Uh, they had, I think it's Wrathchild and Sanctuary were, were on that. Um, so they were, you know, right out of the gates. This is EMI, and, you know, by having two songs on that and having probably the two best songs on that, or at least Wrathchild was the best song on that, you know, skill-wise. Um, they were essentially, uh, you know, showing themselves, and everybody essentially understood that this was the best 
new wave of British heavy metal band. If I could be so bold as to say they were the best. Um, so there you go. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. Moving on. And again, you know, this is so painful to do this because obviously there are tons and tons and tons of great bands and great singles and all of that. But as I said, I'm going to use these entries to say certain things about the new wave of British heavy metal. So moving on, we have Saxon with Motorcycle Man off of their 1980 album, Wheels of Steel. Take a listen. So Saxon, very important band in this. Uh, why? Um, first, they, they were the first out with an album. I mean, it had that 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 cartoony Viking image on it. It had the you know the old English logo. Logos are a big thing with the new wave of British heavy metal as well. That is something from the seventies, granted, um, but it carried over into the eighties. The first album was a little bit dodgy. It wasn't uh, you know particularly uh, you know. Uh, committed to this cause it was sort of inventing something it was still hey what what is what is happening here where does a band like Saxon come from blah 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 but you move into wheels of steel it's got the it's got the eagle it's got wheels of steel motorcycle man I picked because it's fast um, it it uh, it brings in this biker image, which is one of the things that is you know part of the new wave of British heavy metal tank. You know the the ba the biker jackets, Motorhead, the kind of the biker image there as well with the you know the jackets and the uh, you know the long hair and the mustaches and all that kind of thing. But so yeah, so there's there's a biker bent to this, which is kind of cool. Um, heavy metal bikers that that goes together. The logo, you know. Uh, motorcycle man dallas 1 p.m um what else stand up and be counted like as you move on into the saxon catalog this is a big thing about saxon another reason why i wanted to laud them here and pick this saxon are the band uh besides judas priest which are kind of an honorary new wave of british heavy metal band we will talk about that in another episode but saxon are the band with songs like uh and the bands played on uh they are the band that kind of identifies and typifies this championing of heavy metal uh, the most of the new bands, uh, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, you know, Holocaust later with Heavy Metal Mania, those kinds of songs. Um, but Saxon is the band that essentially is writing the anthems for metal, about metal, simply because we are all proud to be metal and... Um, and we're enjoying this new thing. So Saxon belongs for that reason. And, you know, frankly, they are probably the second most famous new wave of British heavy metal band. And they also have been around uh, to this day and essentially playing the same sort of sound, although they've gotten into a little bit more of a professional, efficient power metal sound with what they've done later. But in the early days, they were just like one of everybody's favorite new wave of British heavy metal bands, participating big time with the singles, with the albums, with everything. Okay. Uh, yeah, before we move on to number three, let's take a short break and hear from our sponsors. Thank you very much. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become 
a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rocking. Okay, we are back. We are on to song number three in the history in five songs with Martin Popoff this episode focusing on the new wave of British heavy metal. This is Tigers of Pantang with Badger Badger from August 1980. Take a listen. Okay. What I love about Tigers is um, Tigers and Def Leppard. Believe it or not, Def Leppard on through the night. I always argue that that is the quintessential new wave of British heavy metal album in certain ways. Joe Elliott hates being called new wave of British heavy metal. And, you know, the, the band moved on definitely into something different, something worse later. Um, but High and Dry is also a, a great new wave of British heavy metal album. But what I like to say about on through the night is that all the lines bisect and you essentially get something right in the middle um, that, that you could say is squarely a new wave, a British heavy metal album, without you know too many oddities to it in, in either direction. Uh, Tigers of Pantang, with their great album, Wildcat, debut album, the only album with Jess Cox on vocals, uh, was also like that. I consider this record the perfect right in the middle you draw lines from all the you know the spokes of the wheel from all on the outside which include things like what punk rock prog pop um wherever wherever you have uh you know an eccentricity to your sound on the outskirts when you go right into the middle you arrive at something like tigers of pantang which is just squarely a great new wave of british heavy metal band you know this album is a little bit bikerish jess cox has the rough vocals uh, the production values are not that great you can tell the playing is very spontaneous this is another one of these bands that had lots and lots of singles they also did something else a lot of new wave of british heavy metal metal bands did where the b-sides gave you extra value because you you got songs that were not on the albums i remember getting a tiger's patch with one of my singles uh i bought this as a as an import it eventually came out in the states and canada but i you know i definitely bought this as an import again it's got the big um illustrated 
uh, Tiger on the cover, so you knew that you were you were getting a heavy metal album. It had the Japanese lettering, um, so so you know the, the Japanese thing with the Japanese shirts. There was there was that little kind of fashion sense to uh, to new wave of British heavy metal. But you looked at this, you turned it over, you got the live shots, a bunch of long hairs playing live heroically. You knew this was a heavy metal album. Again, in the seventies, look at every Black Sabbath album, look at every Deep Purple album. They just looked like the Eagles. There was nothing particularly heavy metal looking about any of those record covers and, and even the way the bands look. But now these bands are looking very heavy metal. Okay, so there you go. Moving on. Uh, number four in our history in five songs, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. This is Trespass with Stormchild. Take a listen. Alright, now, why did I pick Trespass? I wanted to pick a band that showed so much promise. Uh, everybody loved Trespass. One of These Days was one of their early songs. Uh, Stormchild is a great, great song, uh, and it comes from the Metal for Mothers Volume 2 album. Now, Metal for Mothers, uh, there, there were a number of really cool compilations that were important. Metal for Mothers, the first one, was the most important one. Metal for Mothers 2 was kind of cool because it wasn't as successful and the bands, you know, these were bands that essentially stopped at making, uh, you know, they had singles out and they had compilation tracks. Another one that I got from that time that I loved was the new Electric Warriors comp, which was MCA, which again was a bunch of bands that really didn't make albums. There were uh, Rock Snacks and Rock's Caliber and there was Green Metal over in Ireland. Um, so there were there were various compilations of uh, it's unheard of I think was another one uh, Kent Rock something like that. Anyways, there were a lot of these compilations of bands that did not uh, did not even rise to albums. Now Trespass I always compared to Diamond Head, but Diamond Head is another band uh, that feels like Trespass in that so much potential, but they but they faltered and did not get as big as they should have. Diamond Head were considered um, the next Led Zeppelin believe it or not. Uh, and they also had a 1980 album, Lightning to the Nations, which was which was an absolutely gorgeous, cool album. But it had great songwriting and great songs, but there were so many things about it where you didn't think it was that great. I mean, it, it, needed, it was in need of an edit. I didn't think the drumming was very good on it. I didn't think the production was very good on it, but you just had, there was just this star quality. Uh, to what Brian Tatler was doing and Sean Harris, his vocals. Um, so Trespass feels like that band, but they, unlike Diamond Head, they did not put out a full-length album. They had all these great singles and compilation tracks, and I wanted to put them in here as the as the unsung heroes, as one of these bands um, that essentially stopped at singles and compilation tracks that were kind of like the bedrock and one of the reasons why we felt that there even was a new wave of British heavy metal. So there you go. And it was from one of my favorite comps, Metal from Others of Volume 2. So moving on, we're on to our last one, number five in our history in five songs, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Uh, very much like Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. This is Angel Witch 
by Angel Witch from Angel Witch. Take a listen. All right, so one thing I love about Angel Witch, I mean, again, they're a little bit like Diamond Head in that they, they did not uh, rise to their potential, their career faltered, lineup changes, etc. Um, but their debut album was, I think, even a better album than the Iron Maiden album. It's my favorite, uh, probably my favorite New Wave of British Heavy Metal album. It's so spooky and so scary and doomy and accomplished and so, so heavy. The Angel Witch album, it's got the old classic picture of hell on the cover, which is a classic old painting. Um, and the other cool thing about Angel Witch and this song, this song has a lot of melody. It's up-tempo. Um, but the cool thing about Angel Witch, again, to bring back the memories of, of you know, going down to Spokane, Washington and buying these records, uh, you know, there were singles, uh, you know, with the Gorgon, the, you know, the very simple two-color uh, cover art, 12-inch singles, 7-inch singles, um, you know, non-LP uh, non tracks like Flight 19. Um, <clears throat> so, so Angel Witch typified the new wave of British heavy metal in, in just being spooky and mysterious and putting out singles and putting out 12-inch singles, which are variations of the 7-inch singles, and then having this classic, classic, awesome album. You know, this came out on Bronze. It was just very cool to see Jerry Braun um, participating in, uh, in this situation. Uh, bronze EMI, uh, anyways, I'm getting a little bit confused there, but basically EMI, Bronze, they're all involved in Angel Witch. Um, EMI is the label that uh, got involved with Iron Maiden, so uh, kudos to EMI for getting uh, getting involved in the new wave of British heavy metal. Like I say, the other big one was MCA. MCA gave us Tigers of Pantang, it gave us Quartz, it gave us Fist. Um, so, so many, so many new wave of British heavy metal bands. I can't get to them all, I can't describe them all, um, and of course, you know, there's all the later ones, which which I'm not even getting to. But so there you go. I just want to wrap up uh, this episode to say um, there are many, many of these great bands. There are many singles, compilation tracks, albums. Everything I picked here was from 1980. Um, so, you know, I, I could have partitioned this as an early episode, but Everything here typifies what is so great about the new wave of British heavy metal in so many different directions. Uh, and that's all I'll say about it. Go check out all these bands. Go check out the singles. Go check out the comps. Uh, go check out what came out from 82, 83, 84. I mean, just that I, I can't help myself, can I? I just have to name drop. Um, you know, Raven is a big part of this. Tank in the later days is, is a big part of this. Motorhead is a controversial one. Um, I don't know where to put them. I always get a lot of complaints when I talk about Motorhead as even being a new wave of British heavy metal band. You know, another one that fits into that category is Gillen. But there are, you know, su suffice to say, there's way more singles than there are albums. Um, but these are some of the classics. I will stop there. So there you go. History in five songs, new wave of British heavy metal. Thanks again for checking in with me. Um, 
you know, feel free to Facebook me. You can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. You can go see my site, martinpopoff.com. I've got all my books there, 80 plus books, um, all described, PayPal buttons, etc. Like I say, there is the New Wave of British Heavy Metal trilogy of books there as well. I've done, also done a number of books on Iron Maiden. Um, but my email address is there as well. If you want to email me, like I say, Facebook me, Twitter. I'm best with Facebook. But I would love to hear uh, your comments on what you thought of this episode. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of complaints about what I left out. Um, and feel free to give me, um, you know, uh, suggestions for future shows. Um, so there you go. Thanks again for listening in. I'm Martin Popoff. We will talk to you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.